say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to round 15, a full set of games. We're back into footy. We've had a little bit of a, a little bit of a quiet week, quite a couple of weeks of the buys, but we're kicking it off and we're in fine form. And how do you know we're in fine form? Because Twitter is telling us so. Uh, first off, we had some feedback on the weekend. Which is uh, our first little bit of feedback, and I think we took it pretty well. Yeah, I took a few. I thought you said yeah. that I probably should have calmed down a bit, but I reckon you bit a little bit hard. I wasn't biting. I was just saying, you know, just just being me, and that's who I am. So, yeah, got a cop it sweet. Talking of being you, this week's podcast is brought to you, of course, by our sponsor, but also by Brian Randall's tweet, which read a day ago. I think it's a great Steve Smith was in a pub having a beer alone. What's more Australian than heading to the local, having a couple of quiet ones while throwing a few at the tab before heading home from work? So, first off, if you want to follow the footsteps of both our disgraced Australian cricket captain and, of course, our punter-in-chief, Brian Randall, you could do so. Down at the Stingo, a.k.a. the Yorkshire Hotel, our sponsor, our favourite place to have a punt and a bit of a quiet reflective beverage before heading home and ending the day officially. The Yorkshire, there's beverages, brilliant food, a place to bet a bobble to, and of course, no buddy paparazzi. But uh, why was this even a thing? Oh, because Australian media's gone mental, and it's... People just have beers by themselves at pubs. The best thing about the best thing about the Steve Smith thing, and, and obviously the Socceroos, is enough people in the world, especially in Australia, are awoke now, and aware, and they will... So in, on social media, just like absolutely smash that paper or that media person mm. for talking absolute garbage or making a story out of nothing. And that was the best thing about Steve Smith thing, especially was, oh, did people go to town yeah. and blow up over that uh, photo and article and picture stuff and got behind Steve Smith? So could have been in his favour. Yeah, it yeah, could have been a good bit of uh, PR there by Steve Smith's PR yeah. manager. Who knows? But. Uh, yeah, and he even followed up, I think, with another photo of himself very happily because he, he's, he's gone, obviously, to Canada to play in that T20 league. So, hmm. anyway, he's probably doing better than the Australian cricket team at the moment as well. Absolutely. Couldn't do much worse. <laughs> All right, on to the footy. Now, talking points, there are plenty. Straight off the bat... Thursday night footy completely stuffed our week. Completely. So, first off, question one is that is that a big loss for the Eagles? They lost at home to Essendon, the flip floppiest flip flopping team in the history of Thongs. Or was it just a case of they'll miss the Twin Towers and they'll be sweet once they come back? Well, it's two weeks in a row. They've had plenty of footy going forward and, and dominated time in fourth half, especially in that second half against Essendon. And they just couldn't convert. So, you know, to say that. Yes, obviously they're missing their two big key forwards. Any team would miss two key forwards of that, that quality. But they're obviously still getting enough ball in there. They're still having enough shots on goal. They're just not converting. So, yeah, I think they, they definitely weren't expecting Essendon to, to play that sort of footy. I wasn't, and it was pretty exciting to watch. It reminded me a bit of Essendon last year when they were up and going. They played that sort of footy, and it was really dangerous, especially with uh, Joey Danaher up and about and playing as well. But... He's not there at the moment, I know. But if they keep that, that sort of footy going, you know, they'll probably win a few more games. But my worry is that when it does get a bit hard and tough for Essendon, the inside ball, the closed-down games, you know, you saw, again, last we keep going back to last year's finals and the games they've lost this year and last year. When teams get make it hard for them to stop that run, they've got no plan B, as you know, we've done before as well. So, yeah, I'm not, not too sold on Essendon just yet. I'll see how they go against North. My other team, I'm tipping the flunk a bit 
in the second half of the season. So there we go. But uh, yeah, I'm not sold on Essendon, and we do not owe the Bombers fans apologies. No, no, because we're, we're we're right. We said at the start. Well, of we're year, not right. We were wrong. No, yeah, we're right about this, that game, but we said yeah. at the start of the year that you know they'll people were talking about was top four and premiership contenders. You look at their list, you look at where they're at, they're nowhere near that and the media built them up for something that they're not. And we said they wouldn't be there and we, they're about where we said they'd be. Yeah, so, so this is the interesting part of uh, that one is that they know that as well. So I was lucky enough to get invited down to the uh, the Hangar, Essendon HQ midweek and we got to do a bit of Q&A with Woosher and the, the Essendon fans that were there were asking him like, oh, you know, where do you rank our midfield, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, we're three midfielders short. Yeah. Like, that's what we're going to the draft for to find three elite midfielders, either trade them in, develop them within. So that's what they're trying to do with Stringer. Yep. And say, we can try and make you play a few more minutes each game so that next year, or maybe the year after, you can play as a full-time mid. But at the moment, he's not, and they know yeah. that. Yeah. And they just go, we're three short. So we, that's what we expect. We expect the good teams to beat us in the midfield, but we can maybe catch them unawares running off halfback, which they do. And they do that. They run... They play that exciting run-gun footy to make up for their other weaknesses. Yeah. Well, you've got McGrath, mm. um, Saad, and, and Connor Kenner. When they get the footy, they just take it on. Mm. Take the short kicks down the middle, handball, receive, and keep going. You break lines. You break team mm. zones doing that. So teams just have to obviously sit on them a bit, and that's when they're going to fall down a bit. Exactly. So. They've got, no, yeah, not, they don't have the engine to take it up to teams. The interesting part I thought about that, though, is that should you... So that's just Woosh's football. And that's the question I asked him is like, what do you, like, why do you play this style of football consistently when you're missing those pieces? Like you're yeah. missing three mids, so it's dangerous to play like that because they do sit off your major running gun players, leaves you susceptible. Is it because that's the style of play you want to play and that's just who you are as a football club? Or is it because you think it's the best way to win games? And I think he didn't really answer the question, and fair enough, doesn't have to. But... uh it was more along the lines of long term. Once you have, once he has the list that he wants and the players he wants, he reckons that style footy would be the best way for him to win yeah. a premiership for, for Essendon. So, again, I think fans get frustrated, punters get frustrated week to week. But obviously, for most clubs, you can't. They can't win it this year. Like yeah. as we said, there's three teams that could probably win it this yeah. year. Essendon's no, not in any kind of self denial about that. They're not in that list. If they if they snag one like the doggies did, they'll be wrapped. But. Yes, they try and win every game. They try to win that West Coast game. Obviously, it worked for them, but they know they have weaknesses, and they're not ones they can probably fix between now and. and but now what they did was they the sold year. themselves really well with their with their you know, recruitment and their mm. drafting, and sold themselves to their supporters, and they probably got their supporter base up another ten or fifteen thousand. The flip flop, the uh, flip side of that is sorry, is that when they don't get Perform, to where yeah. they where they've you know been out and about or talking about, then the supporters do turn very very quickly. So yeah. And the media does not like tall poppy syndrome. No, no, no. So then Friday night was an absolute humdinger as well and uh, lived up to expectations. Did we learn anything significant from Port and Melbourne? No. Or was it just two flip-floppy teams flip-flopping? It's two teams that will finish just outside the four and uh, won't do much in finals. So you said outside the four. There's been a lot of chat this week because of Port's soft draw. They can finish in the top two. Well, remember... I. I've, I know you did it's, say it's this, tape, but, it's but do you think two weeks ago? Do you think that's legit? Well, yeah, they've got that. They've got the easiest draw of all time. They've got so many more home games to come. They could probably finish top two. And I, I've I've sat, said this before that if they make top two or top four, and they make it to the prelim final, which is the last game for the granny, I'll rock up to whichever ground they're playing at, wearing full Port Adelaide gear and cheer on Port because it won't happen. They'll be out in straight sets. So. 
because they're no good. They're just not good. They're not, they're not a top four team. All right, fair enough. Speaking of no good, I think I think we finally found out that Melbourne are the ultimate pretenders. Yeah, well, we've been saying But, yeah. like, it's official now. Even the Swamp, hashtag the Swamp on Twitter, our, our Twitter god, yeah. uh, our stats man from the Twitter sphere, came out and dropped out the, the stat bomb, the Swamp bomb that is, against bottom ten sides that are undefeated. And against top ten, uh, top eight sides, they've beaten one. Yeah, they pretend us. Yeah, and you know we've been probably we've been probably right about Melbourne this year. We've been right about Essendon. We've been wrong about West Coast. We've been wrong about Port, especially yourself. And, well, they, if they finish top two, well, well, I could be very right about Port. Oh, okay, right, we'll, <laughs> we'll still go about it. But yeah, yeah, I just don't think they're they're still missing a bit of speed. I think. They need someone a bit quicker. They need a, a true all-type player through that midfield. And once they've got that, then they're, they're almost there. And they need to play Jesse Harrigan. We talked about this last time they had their little, uh, f- like, fall-off. Yeah. Yeah. They need to play Jesse Harrigan forward and have, a, have someone help him out. And so just play both him and McDonald forward and let the cobblers cobble in the midfield, as uh, Ross Lyon will say. Let your backs do the work. And just let them stay forward and play forward and, and have your little foot. So do you buy into the... Uh, there was a bit of gossip on the Monday footy show saying that he's, he's become addicted to possessions. He wants to he wants to be a mid. Who? Jesse Hogan. Well, he's kidding himself. He's, his best spot is a forward. It's like it's like Josh Caddy's another one where you know he wanted to be a midfielder full-time and by the way, he didn't play his best football. Now he's playing as a forward. He's playing his best football with those bursts through the midfield. That's your position, man. That's where you play your best football. You've got to learn that, know that own it and just play that style of footy and I, I really reckon they should get um, Jeffy Gartlett back in the team or I know Hunt's injured but they need to get some speed back in that team and have something you know help them out somehow because especially at, at the fall of the ground you know Petrarca goes missing here and there uh, Fitch has been good you know uh, Hannerton's been pretty good and stuff like that but yeah I, I still think their four line's missing a bit of X factor and, and their midfield definitely needs a bit more speed and so you're talking about midfield needs more speed, four line missing X factor. I think some of the issues though is they can't defend. Oh, yeah, we that, brought yeah, this up at yeah, the other year as well. Yeah. Their major issue in the first kind of six rounds was they leaked too many points consecu- consecutively, and that was a damning fact that they showed in those. They just like I think it was just like pace throughout the whole team. Yeah. Because if they get done Joe the Goose style, it's over. Like it's a leg race. Yeah. And we saw that against Richmond, who does it at teams all the time. Collingwood. Collingwood. Anyone that has a mosquito fleet up forward or any mids that roll forward. Um, so yeah, even guys like the Roos that rely heavily on the mids for more goals now, it's yeah, it's concerning that if it becomes almost like the off-field offside trap in, in round ball football, if they get caught on the break, they're pretty much cooked. And I've said all along that it's great that McDonald's kicking all those goals for him, but he's probably their best defender. So they probably have enough, they have enough uh, talent in their forward line, probably in their reserves. Like Cam Pedersen doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's a good fo- footballer, can play forward and. He's got to put Tom McDonald back because Oscar isn't the answer. I don't know what's going on with Fossil. He might be injured. But, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're really struggling down there as well, obviously. But they, like, they'll still finish, you know, between pick, uh, pick, uh, position number four and probably eight. And they'll, they might win a final. But they're not where they where they think they're at. And they're not where they should be at with that much talent on their list. They're still missing a few little pieces, I think. 
the biggest flop since the Bulldogs is you jumping off that Melbourne bandwagon I jumped off at the end know, of last year but least. you went from being they're going to win a premiership this year at that 2017 yeah, to them being nah they're no good but round 17 and they've improved round 17 last year I was all about the demons and they burnt me and I started forgiving them alright if you were Bevo after that Bulldogs capitulation what would you have said post match look I'm an emotional person as you know and I, I and you know the boys know I coach I do during the, during the game I do get a bit involved and I do get a bit um, agitated and you know a bit probably it's funny because during the game like when the game is playing I do get very emotional get agitated I, I say things and stuff and then it comes to quarter time and things like that I'm quite like with it and there and I know what I've got to say and the message I've got to deliver and what I want to get across to certain lines or players I think I Early in the year, there was probably t- two occasions uh, where I, I definitely, you know, lost it a bit. It was a quarter time one, and there was probably during a game one as well. And I think now I'm definitely getting better at that. And I'm starting to learn. Even last week, I think I was getting a lot. I'm getting a lot better with it. It comes with obviously a bit more experience and backing myself and just you know calming yeah. the hell down and realizing that what I'm doing is not beneficial. For me, what Bevo did. I might have done, say, round one or two this year. But looking back on it now, I'd probably not say much. And I'd probably just say, look, you because they know. Like, they know. Yeah. They know what happened. Wallace knows what happens. Rourke, a few of the other boys who made mistakes in that last five, ten minutes, that last quarter, really. Even that third quarter, they were disappointing. That's what I was about to say. So everyone goes and they replay the final two minutes, the final play, and everyone, everyone bugging up. But... Isn't that just recency bias? Because really, wasn't the game lost? They were half time. They were up by three goals. Third quarter, they kicked two goals, four compared to North's five goals, three. Yeah. So you've already that's when you lost the game. Yeah, and, they, and even the start of that last quarter, they dominated possession. They kept kicking in long, and Magic Door was having a field day. So there's lots of things going on there that it wasn't just that last two minutes. But I would have probably you know been pretty quiet and just said, look, you know, it is what it is, and we've made these mistakes. Let's learn from them kind of thing, and then. Probably, you know, we do a bit of a review probably once a week, whether it's a Monday night when all the players are there or a Thursday night, we'll have a quick chat about things. We probably did it more earlier in the year compared to now because I think we know where we're at and when we play good footy, I don't need to... Tell them. Tell them, yeah. Uh, when we play, you know, not so good footy, I'll, I'll repeat a few things a couple of times during the week and hopefully it gets to the head. Um, but yeah, I probably will just go on Monday, just go and look, boys, you know, this is where we went wrong. We've got to learn from this, got to be better than this. I don't see any point in... You know, again, like you know, the, if the boy, any of the boys are probably gonna laugh because I do get pretty agitated during a game. But I don't think there's any point in, uh, in tearing in, strips. Yeah, tearing strips. Yeah. yeah, you're not gonna get anything. You're not gonna gain anything from it. No, so it I, just shows frustration, and yeah. that's the easiest way to lose the group. Really, like even even you know training and stuff, you might point something out. And said you probably should have done this in front of the group. You, even they, sometimes when you do that, you feel like just, they might think you're, you're yelling at them, but you're mm. not. But they might. That's how they perceive it. So even now, like when I do that, I'm asking myself, should I be doing it that way? Or should I be calling him over, saying? But I think that's still good because at least the whole group can goes, learn it from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, players are funny things. I was a, I was a bit funny as a player too. So you just got to keep trying to remember that. I think when you when you're a coach. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it's more just obviously the stress that you're under as a coach, especially a head coach, and that's that's your release valve. But I think long term you do more damage because it's like, well, yeah, you might feel better immediately 
but you, you just had a massive negative impact on the group as a whole and probably the 10 or 15 players you just singled out yeah. in a very colour spray. Well, coaching is stressful. I, I know as a, as a player, I never really thought about it until you know, I started doing it a bit last year, but like during the week, you know, you think about selection, so you know, you got in the AFL list, you've got 40-odd players picked from you. Like you, you have relationships with your players, so you've got to pick your 22 and you know there's disappointment on players missing out and like you feel for them because you you got a relationship with them mm. so you feel like you know, you, you're kind of letting them down because they're not playing and stuff and then so you, you sort that out and then from Thursday night you think about alright we're playing this team you know how they play like and me being enough you I am I make notes on every team we've played already so I know what sort of style we're going to play and how we're going to counter it and it's me trying to think of different ways maybe I'll put a player in this position and stuff like that and I know other coaches at, at local footy do it as well like you know, I know coaches for a fact from Thursday to Sunday are just exhausted because they it's think, think about it's it, all yeah. they think about and it's you have to be a weird person to be a coach and yeah like I don't switch off till probably Sunday afternoon after I send the email about best players and do the match report hmm. so yeah it's a stressful thing and when the games and especially if you know your teams can perform better than what they're performing at the time and probably that's what Be- another thing for Bevo he knows his team can perform here but they're performing here it gets frustrating because you don't know what you're doing wrong or how can you change it, how can you deliver the message differently. So, yeah, that's how I think about it anyway. Yeah, pull one out for the coaches. But our coaches, remember, players are humans as well. They are, exactly. Yeah. Round 15, full slate, but we are saying on a Thursday night yet again. Why? We don't know. We don't know. It's very hard to rock up to work on a Friday after footy on a Thursday night. Especially after watching a soccer reason on Tuesday night. It's just it's just just fact. You can only do so much. Anyway, Richmond are hosting Sydney at Etihad. It's a very weird opening game. Dollar sixty two favourites to the Swans who are two dollar thirty outsiders. The line here, eight and a half. What it is, it is prime time. Thursday night, grand final preview football. And it's proof that good footy doesn't have to be pretty footy. This will be in the trenches, slugging it out. Sledgehammers, but it's at Earhead, under the dome. Why? Why? Surely on a MCG. Is it Thursday night? Is it because it's Thursday night? That gets gets 60 or 70 MCG, wouldn't it? Easy. On a Thursday night? Grand final preview, surely. Anyway, I I thought, well, you guys get pressed here back. Richmond get pressed here back, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty good in. Uh, McVay comes back to Sydney, which is a very good in. We We both know how these teams like to play. It's kind of kind of plays in the city's hands a bit, I think. Yeah, the smaller field, yeah. The, the smaller field, the smaller back line versus the smaller forward line. They, they they want you to, you know, they want to turn over it in the back half a bit and, and get you on the counter. And, you know, Richmond do run for the boards because they win so much of the stoppages. If Sydney can half that and get the turnovers, you know, where they want, they can definitely burn Richmond the other way. Richmond don't have a great record at the at Etihad, and Sydney go all right there, from my understanding. Yeah, yeah. Unless you got yeah. something to shut me up on that. But I'm no, no, no. Um, Sydney have won the last four of their five games at Etihad. Yep. We don't ever play there, so it's hard to say that we're bad there. We yeah. beat North there. Yeah, beat North there. But like, yeah, we don't we play there very often. Lost Sydney last year there. Yeah. I just think that this is like you won't see Sydney at two dollars thirty very often. Very good value. It'll be definitely unders because both teams will be it'll be a massive scrap. It'll be. Highly congested, highly contested footy. It'll be a good game to watch. Uh, Dusty Martin, hopefully, be fit and firing after another week off. Press your back, obviously. Helps out your midfield. I think 
Cal Sinclair could be the difference here with Nank. Uh, you know, you don't Paddy, rate the Nank, do you? I think he's a good ruckman, but when he comes up against like Paddy Ryder last week, gave him a bit of a lesson. And Cal Sinclair's been playing some pretty good football, and he, he he's more agile, gets around, he really pushes forward as well, which is a test of Nank. Obviously, the Nank will be going forward as well, trying to push Cal. But I just, for me, I just feel Sydney here, and I think. Away they play. They've been playing pretty good footy away from home. Yeah. And I'm, uh, yeah, Sydney two dollars thirty and unders just looks pretty good. Uh, I'm all right with the unders. I'm not all right with with Sydney to jag one here. My only concern really about this is that Buddy could legitimately win this on his own. So uh, there's been some interesting stats come out in the in the wonk areas of the internet, the real nerdy stuff. There's one here, courtesy of HPN, called Impact Disposal Rate. Essentially, it's the number of disposals that you have. That matter, so they end up being score involvements or direct scores or turnovers, something like that. Yep. Important things. Uh, so Lance Franklin leads the league by about ten percent. So he averages seventeen disposals per game, and three quarters of them are impact disposals. Yep. Whenever he gets the foot, he does something with it. We know that if you hold Alex Rance accountable, it really stuffs up our rebound run. Yeah, we don't have Hawley in yet, so a bit. Once you take that out, we're missing a little bit of rebound run. And then you have to make sure that someone's on Buddy at all times. Yes. So it does play into the fact that Sydney could jag this, but I think that, that relies on him having a blinder as opposed to Sydney having the, the natural upper hand here. Uh, Rance won't go one-on-one with him. But they'll surely. make him a cannibal, surely. Yeah, well, that's, that's where I think that someone like a you know, Gary Rowan will probably go to Rance yep. and make him a cannibal, try and drag him out. Asprey, I reckon, will get, we'll get Franklin. And you still got Tom McCartan who's been playing some decent footy down there as well. So they'll definitely try and make Rance, you know, go away from him. And so yeah, I reckon Ashbury always gets the number one forward, and that allows Rance to go to someone else and peel off because I don't think he's getting used. I wouldn't mind seeing actually Franklin this game probably push up a bit higher because that'll really throw everything off. Because then who does like Rance go to? Who does Ashbury go to? You know, you still got you know Grimes and Short and Boston and Broad down there. The smaller types you can play on those smaller types of force. They've got plenty of with you know Ronk, Haywood, Hewitt, etc. So, yeah, I just think that Sydney have a bit more. I don't know. I reckon Richmond definitely got the midfield. Sydney got the ruck, a bit more flexibility forward and back. As I think Richmond are very. Who's the better team? Oh, I still think Sydney. Are. You think Sydney are the better team? Yeah. I think you're absolutely dreaming. Really? Yes. If we're sitting with a better team, they'd be high on the ladder at this stage of the year. Like, but this, this is not this is not a travel game. But this is this is one, this, this is, is one for this Sydney. is your fake news. Like, we've lost three games. Yeah, you're absolutely humming, but it's also June, mate. Yeah, so Sydney why Sydney came this game and this game's being played in June? So yeah. why don't we win this game that's being played that in June? Eddie had when you can't do your little zones. I think like you've got, you got the hate glasses on here. No, I have the hate glasses. I think, on. I think this is the reason why we didn't tip oh. Eston last week because you had the hate glasses on. No, I didn't see in last week. He didn't have a chance over in Perth against West Coast. Ah, I, 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 I'm not going to tip Sydney. I'm tipping Richmond in I'll this one. I'll tip Sydney and we'll wait later. Fair enough. One I do have though for the uh, for the bet bank is that Richmond have won ten of thirteen fourth quarters at a percentage of 169 this year. Yep. They're going to overrun Sydney. That's why I'm tipping them. But I'm definitely going to have a punt at Richmond to win the fourth quarter by two and a half points at a dollar ninety. Friday night, the Bulldogs are hosting Geelong at Etihad Stadium. Two games in a row at Etihad. Oh, what a time to be alive. The Bulldogs are $4.75 outsiders. 
to Geelong. And the line here is five goals. Yet another Friday night featuring the Doggies. The Doggies are down in the dumps. They're backing up after six days after getting stripped by their coach and smashed by the Brews in the most heartbreaking of ways. And the Cats are looking for an easy percentage boost because they want to play some finals down at Cadinia if possible. Are the Cats a top four side, Baz? I don't think they can make the top four, no. Who, who misses out in the top four for Geelong? Yeah. Port with the easy run. West Coast yeah. will be all right. It's Ports. They have to take Ports spot. Collingwood, or Sydney spot. in there at the moment. We'll drop out. Yeah. Sydney. Yeah, so they'll finish fourth or f- between fourth and sixth, I reckon. Yeah. So they definitely need to win this game. And I think mm. this year more than ever, it was proven last year with Melbourne, percentage is going to play a massive part. And we'll... To be honest, Geelong's game style doesn't really... I mean, unless they're playing well, against the Gold Coast. Because it's not... You make more percentage by holding your opponents to lower scores than you kicking bigger scores. No, I suppose, yeah. No, you're right. So if you can hold Western Bulldogs to their 0-60 to 60, and you win by 40 points, that's a massive percentage boost as opposed to both going at yeah. you know, 100+. plus. So. Well, Geelong will probably get back Scott Selwood, Cam Guthrie, uh, and probably the great man Taylor comes back. I don't know why you'd risk... Either of those three, if they're at 80% against the doggies. But they're all apparently uh, a Going good to chance to come back in. Uh, and obviously, Quinton Arkell um, is going to make his AFL debut, which, which was talked about today. Oh, I don't know how you could tip anyone else but Geelong. So, betting stats, Geelong have won 11 consecutive games against the dogs. The dogs have only covered the spread once in the last seven matches. And the dogs have just won one fourth quarter this season there at minus 116 points they can't run out games they just can't do it they've tried they've tried and they just can't uh, 8 out of 9 Cats games have gone unders in the last 9 weeks well I, that was probably my play but I, it was more of a no bet game for me but yep. I, I probably would have gone yeah uh, unders of 157.5 might might be there somewhere with uh, in the multi a bit later on I reckon yep fair enough uh, mine there I love just to see those Ridiculous fourth quarter stats, so I'd probably have a crack at Geelong to win the fourth by eight and a half or more. And uh, you can get dogs to be total match points zero to 60 at $2.20. I'd be jumping all over that. Yeah, so that's probably the major play of that one. All right, full slate of Saturday football, which uh, creates a conundrum because I went down and watched some Vaffa football on the weekend and I was pleasantly surprised. It, was, it wasn't a great game, the one I saw, unfortunately, due to... Uh, Airport virus, let's call it. But get on them, they're young men, they're allowed to, they're allowed to live their lives. Exactly. Play amateur sport. Yeah. They, they should be... You know, they're allowed to do it. Freedom. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hopefully in a couple of years when they're a bit older, they play a full season or uh, us allowing them to do this or, you know, giving them the freedom, not, not bagging them out for doing this. They'll keep playing and reward the club when they're... At a, when they hit their peak. What won't be at their peak is Carlton in this game. So Carlton kick off Saturday slate against Port Adelaide. They are $8 outsiders, but they are playing at the MCG because that's where football belongs. The line here is 38 and a half. And most importantly, it's Cade Simpson's 300th game. After he was being picked up by the Blues in the 2002 draft at pick 45. So I went into the, to the fact file and shout out to our stats man, Oliver Fitzpatrick. And I've got some really not so fun simo facts for you. Yep. All right, here we go. You didn't get a touch for his first few games. Ouch. We, we didn't. That I know. It's a fact. Okay. But we'll get even more harsh ones. Oh, so sorry. Carlton has five times had a 300 gamer, and Simpson is by far the one with the lowest win percentage. So Craig Bradley, 375 games, 
220 wins, a win percentage of 58%. Brucey e. Doyle, 356 games, 238 wins at 66%. Uh, John Nichols, 328, 205 wins, 62%. The great Silvani, 312 games, 198 wins, 63.5%. And then Simpson, about to play his 300th game. He has 109 wins, which means the percentage of 36. Stiff Simmer. Very, very stiff. Cade Simpson has played in the six most losses by any player to ever play VFL-AFL. The only ground where Cade Simpson has a positive win-loss record is Wellington in New Zealand. And he's played at 16 different AFL-accredited grounds. If they lose on the weekend, he'll have the lowest win percentage of any 300-gamer in the history of the VFL-AFL, <laughs> overtaking Kevin Murray of Fitzroy fame, who had 122 wins from 333 games. Can the Blues get up for Simo and not make him the most losingest player in the AFL history? Well, they showed a bit more defensive side on uh, Sunday. I've been waiting for it all year from the play that's more lockdown yeah. game style. To just try and win a footy game. Well, win, to play just stay football. in it as well. Yeah. Obviously, what happened at Fremantle after the Fremantle game, they've gone right over. We can't cop this. We can't let our supporters deal with this and they brought effort and you know I reckon every week on this podcast I bring up effort it's funny how if you bring effort and work right and win your own footy and good uh, things happen good things happen in the off again I was talking about it before I was talking about uh, who, the person who I know from the club who, that's his philosophy and, I, and I, I, it's a great philosophy to have and I, I can't I wouldn't surprise if it's on every AFL club wall it'd as have well. to be yeah and it, it's, it's no surprise they bring that sort of effort and stuff. Then they're in a game. I mean, Collingwood weren't great. Don't get me wrong, for a quarter and a bit. We finally got a bit better. We kind of kept them at arm's length all game. Like, uh, yeah, we, we didn't play our best footy, but that was due to Carlton's pressure. So if they bring that, like, they're in with a chance. You know, you know how wishy-washy Port are. But Port need to win this, and I think Port do win it. Uh, the only real bet I had for this game was... Carlton over under 57.5 I think they, they should cover that they should score you'd think they'd score 10 goals yes you, you would think so at the MCG you would think so and against Port as well they're, they're, they're not as they're not as stingy yeah, yeah Port my only worry is you know Charlie Kuno we've seen before he has usually one game where he absolutely dominates and then but he still plays good footy don't get me wrong but he doesn't have that, that superstar superstar game, game yeah. very many weeks in a row and obviously they're already missing they'll be missing Cruiser they were missing Levi, uh, no more Plowman, but Mark Murphy might be back, and obviously, yeah, whoever else comes in from the reserve. So maybe, maybe I'm, talk, I'm just about to talk myself out of that. Yeah, but, uh, I think so. I, I definitely think uh, uh, over one fifty three, Port should score eighty or ninety, and I think Carlton won't lose by more than thirty seven and a half points. So I thought Carlton line thirty seven and a half points is pretty good because you'd hope they bring the same effort they did last week, and I don't think. Porter or seven goal better side than than Carlton if they bring that sort of effort. So I know you have sworn away from disposals. Yeah. But I did find a little nugget. So it was Cripps to have thirty plus, Wines to have thirty plus, and Simpson to have twenty five plus. Yeah. Pays four dollars fifty. Cade Simpson has averaged thirty disposals in three of his last four games. He's in rich form, the old warrior. Yeah. And I think he wants to do everything in his power to make sure he doesn't lose and become the Kevin Murray of the modern era. Well, I, I think Carlton will definitely... They will try. They'll be up and about. They'll be trying yeah. for the boy. Yeah, so I, I think the best out of all that is, is Carlton at 37 and a half. Yeah, cover. 
and then whatever you want to take exotically, take it on board. But you do so at your own risk. Talking of your own risk, this game is going to be hard to pick. Saturday, the Twilight game, Adelaide are hosting West Coast. Both teams have had their wings clipped this week, but Adelaide are still favourites, $1.74. West Coast, $2.10. That sweet spot zone for outsiders that we really love to take on. They're at the Adelaide over the line here, three and a half. West Coast have been confronted by their on-field performances, Adelaide by their off-field performances. Which team bounces back this week? Well, apparently, Laird, Lynch, Brown, and Sloan are all, av- all available this week if they get through tomorrow. Has that triggered the too many swelts in a week rule? It has. And I know West Coast are missing obviously the car now as well. So they've got a few injury worries for themselves. Does Dom Shea get back in, you know, get another opportunity? I don't know how he went, really. I think he, I think he went pretty well in the, in the waffle. Uh, Ainsworth's another one that can come in, and, and probably Brennan Archie. You know, he's had a pretty good foot forward on the waffle as well. Look, I go back to form a lot, and West West Coast form reads a lot better than Adelaide's. Yeah. And at $2.40, West Coast play Adelaide over really well. They've, they've got a good record there. Absolutely. Um, Adelaide haven't been great, and I know they've been under the pump a lot in the media, so, you know, they'll probably, probably come out, out and be up and about this game. And Do you reckon... Because I reckon, if you look, if you read into what happened this week, I don't reckon they can. You don't reckon? No. Because the, the deeper ironic thing about this is that the group that they're like panning in the media for doing their pre-season camp is called Collective Minds. Yeah. It's the one thing they can't do. They can't get around each other as a group. So you look at teams that, yeah, there are plenty of teams that have had massive injury list problems. Collingwood being one. Yeah. But everything about Collingwood is one motion. We're moving in one direction. We're, we're here as like one team. And blokes are coming up and down from resis to tops and tops down to resis. Everyone's getting pats on backs. Everyone's getting shout-outs when they're playing the Magoos. In their press conferences and stuff, it's like, oh, no, actually, did you say that this guy's played well? We're really excited about his future. Yes, it's VFL, but we understand two or three years' time. We're absolutely going to love it. There's been no no pressure on guys to sign contracts early. There's been no stigmatization of saying for looking elsewhere. You've been nailing it, and you've been dealing with the injuries. Adelaide have had all these injuries, all this movement, but there's no, there's no, like, unity. They've had, like, 40 blokes go through their list this year in the ones, and there's no sense of, like, oh, how'd you go back into twos? Or there's been no public pers- like public mention of that. I don't think they get up for this. I don't think they have any kind of club group mentality left. I think they're, I think they're knackered. Well, at the start of the week, I did my tips on Monday. I tipped West Coast, and I went and looked at the odds and saw $2.40. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Mm. I like have... What have they done to deserve dollar sixty favoritism? And everyone's oh, it's reaction to the Essendon game, and even that's a bit of a misnomer. So you look at that Essendon game. Uh, West Coast trailed at quarter time by six goals. Yeah, six goals one to one behind. Shell shocked. From then on, they won. So in the next three quarters, West Coast kicked six goals fifteen to Essendon six goals four. Legitimately, if they kick straight and find maybe better options inside fifty, they win that game. Yeah, they smashed them in the midfield. They had better rebound run. They actually played the better three quarters. They just were trailing by six goals at quarter time. time yeah. So, a West Coast win this. Even with their injuries, I reckon West Coast win this. So, $2.38. $2.38, you can't not turn that down. No. I, I, I also thought with the missing players up forward for West Coast, this could be an unders game, one sixty-seven and a half. Yep. So, interesting notes on that to back up what you've just said. Eagles have won four of the last six against Adelaide. they won six of the last seven at Adelaide Oval. Four of the last five games have gone under... When Eagles have played away, yeah, so, and, and they beat Port there last year. Yeah, 
in the final. So and everyone was expecting Port to get up because Port are chokers and pretenders. Anyway. Correct. So West Coast to win and the unders there. Do what you want with that information. Saturday night is all right. We've got two pretty decent games. The first is an eight shaper. The Giants are a dollar seventy-eight favourites versus Hawthorne, who are two dollar oh five outsiders, making this a very interesting proposition. They are going to be up in Sydney. Line here's another three and a half. Does the omission of Cameron absolutely stuff up the Giants? I, well, I think it does a little bit. I think it does a little bit, but also just Patton gets to go forward maybe now. Mm. Be the be the big man up forward. You He's know, in he, horrific form though. It might, it might be what he needs. You might need to be that that key figure up forward for him and. Yeah, they played Dawson Simpson last week, and he played pretty well. Did the job. They just have to keep playing, and they can't keep trying to use all these different players to be ruck. Just play the ruck when you got on your list. The midfield's starting to get more dangerous. They're kicking the ball a lot more. They're not handling it as much as they used to. Uh, so that's obviously a game plan change there from Leon Cameron. They've obviously got good ball users, so why not? And a part of me was thinking Hawthorne for a couple of days this week and I went over it again and I thought that yeah yes don't get me wrong Cameron's a, a big out then you go through some of the stuff he's been doing so against uh, Gold Coast he tried a few a few you know leerizing things when he was playing especially when the game was done that you don't want to see he, he did it again against uh, Brisbane on the weekend where he took a mark like, you know two metres out and, and try to be a bit fancy with it instead of just going back and kick the goal. And he was lucky the umpire, you know, blew time off. Because if, if the umpire didn't blow time off, or time on, sorry, it would have been play on, it would have been holding the ball, he wouldn't have got a goal. He just did, he just been, he's just been doing a few things, and he's been a bit uh, undisciplined. We talked about it before with a few other games where they lost, where he was undisciplined as well. I, I don't reckon he's the biggest loss that everyone makes out to be. All right, there you go. I reckon that, yeah, Patton could be the one who stands up, Maybe get on Patton for most goals. There you go. Patton could be the standout. This could be his breakout game where he gets back in the form. They've got a decent ruckman. Hawthorne don't really have a ruckman at the moment that's really doing any good. It's just whether... And I think the GWS midfield's a lot stronger than, than Hawthorne's midfield. And I, I just don't see Hawthorne kicking a big score either. So I'm probably leaning towards GWS and maybe the unders in the 157 because... Obviously, GWS aren't a massive scoring power anymore either. Yeah. So, the tip here is an absolute 50-50. Yeah. I'm sitting on the fence still. Yeah, I'm not touching the game. But uh, definitely under some iron. The Giants are four of the last five gone under at home. And the Hawks, their last four games have gone under as well. So, under 162.5 and ninety is a pretty decent bet. Obviously, the second best of the two games on Saturday night. Gold Coast are $5.75 outsiders against Collingwood, who are $1.14 favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. And the line here is six goals. And it's the very first time I can remember Collingwood being good, but the pie is still going under the radar. Yeah. You've finally worked out not to just hit the launch button when you start playing good footy. But how's when Chaw gets injured? Because usually it's like, oh, we've won four in a row, hit the launch button, we're going to be premiers. Boom! And then it's just all too much hype. Do you think the media's yeah. woken up after doing that to Melbourne? They're going, hang on a minute, we, we hyped up Melbourne. They came in the premiership favourites. We've had another team win four in a row. Have they really beaten anyone? Let's just hold back a bit. Yeah. I reckon the media might have learnt something for a change here. Well, I don't think it's the media. I think it's the club. Yeah. Because if you don't say anything, they can't write any stories. So. Yeah. Because generally, think, you know, yeah. Collingwood sell papers, Collingwood sell stories. Correct. So. Eddie, Eddie loves talking about how good Collingwood is, but even yeah. Eddie's been on his morning shows, just, no, no, 
no, no, nothing to see here. We're yeah. just going about our business. We've won four in a row, but that's all fine. You're playing the struggling Suns, and they are in a hole, a hole that is so deep they might even end up in Tassie in the long run. There is a hoodoo-esque here. You don't usually lose to the Suns. Yeah. And yes, every time you play the Suns, there's a guy called Gary Ablett that used to tower you up. Yeah. He's no longer there, so that's no longer an issue. But is it is it them? Is it a structure thing? Or is it just you don't like to travel to Gold Coast? Like, What is it that makes you play poorly against them up there? It's, it's just up there. So last year, I think we won by 15 or so points mm. in a game that was pretty wet and drizzly. I think. And we got over the line there. Uh, the time for that we played them, I think we won pretty comfortably. But then we, we won by... F- like we lost to them in that game, that famous game where they had no one on the bench. Up by about three goals, four goals, and we, we lost. Um, so yeah, we don't have a great record up there. They've won; they've only beaten us twice, but they've beaten us twice up there in only four or five games. So it does worry me a little bit. Uh, the injury to Trelaw does worry me a little bit with our midfield, but I think that just means the goey goes midfield full time, which is what he's been wanting. But the club hasn't been really, uh, you know, putting him there because because of disciplinary reasons. So. Surely we win this. Surely we can't lose to them. Like, they've been travelling horribly. I just can't see them turning it around anytime soon. A few of their younger players are coming back from injury, like your Brodies and stuff like that. Uh, and they're starting to play some decent footy in the in the Neeful, so maybe they're another week or two away and then maybe it might turn around there, but surely we don't. If we lose this, I'm... Oh, I don't Pray know. Pray for Baz. Oh, I don't know. Pray for Baz. No, you definitely win this. And, like, they're just... Going forward now, your your mid-forwards and your genuine forwards are just too good. So you're looking at the hyphen, Hoskin Elliott. You're looking at Dugowie, Stefferson, even Cox now, Phillips, side bottom. They're all going forward, They can and they can all roll through the forward mid. So you've got this, a good, decent, deep group of nine players who can always be on the ground, resting forward, scoring goals, coming back in, pinch hitting. It's a dangerous... You're now a team that people don't want to play. Yeah. You're, actually, you're becoming a legitimate top eight tough team to play week in week out regardless of which 22 are actually playing we're not predictable we're not predictable but yeah for me I think like you look at Gold Coast four line Sam Day played pretty well last week yeah and uh, sorry not Sam Day two meter Peter and obviously you got uh, Tom Lynch down there as well yeah they're two pretty big forwards that could tear us apart Mm. but their midfield for me is really is really worrying Obviously, Weller is, is not is not worth the pick two pick, no. and the seven hundred fifty eight hundred grand he's on. So, yeah, I, I seriously, I just, I can't, I can't see got next time Gold Coast winning a game, which probably means they beat us now. Definitely something like, and B, I just cannot see how it's possible. I, I can't even, I can fathom us losing to Carlton last week just because you know you, you can see it's Carlton, it's, it's the Carlton MCG, and, they're uh, a dogged team, they try hard. I seriously can't fathom us losing to Gold Coast. Yep. If it happens, then. Just put me on. Someone come sit with me for a few days, please. <laughs> All right, no worries. Only angle for this one I have is that the Gold Coast have only won the one single fourth quarter this year. So Collingwood to win the fourth by nine and a half gets you a dollar ninety. Money for jam. Full slate of games on a Sunday. Whole games on a Sunday. Three games on a Sunday is beautiful. It just really rounds out the weekend nicely. The first one: Melbourne versus St Kilda. At the MCG, but it's the early game at one ten because you know let's just disrespect the MCG more in round fifteen. Oh, it gets me angry. The line here is a whopping thirty eight points. Melbourne have lost two in a row, and because they are they are unwoke, they are asleep. Melbourne. It means the wheels are falling off. They win four in a row. 
they're going to be premiers. They lose two in a row. Oh, it's all over. They are a very unstable ship. And well, fortunately for them, though, St Kilda are St Kilda. So they, they probably hung win off this. a good win, though. Yeah, it's Gold Coast. Oh, Stirring great, win. A great win. Stirring yeah. win. They turned up for one quarter. Yep. And if you remember last time those two teams played, if St Kilda took their opportunities early in the game, Correct. it could have turned out a very different sort of a, a game that it did. And I mean, Mo Melbourne won pretty comfortable in the end, but you know, I, I think they had five or six scoring shots. They kicked one goal, five, one goal, yeah. six to Melbourne's like four goals. And the goals that Melbourne kicked were pretty much end-to-end sort of stuff where yeah. you're thinking, what the hell is St Kilda doing? Are they even defending? Um for me, I just went over 173. So even if you go off last time when it was a pretty disgusting sort of a game, they scored 173 points. And I think Melbourne will be a bit better this time. And St Kilda, you know, might bring a bit more as well to the table scoring-wise. So I think overs would be pretty good on a Sunday. Again, you saw that there's no way that Collingwood could lose to Gold Coast. There's literally no way I can see St Kilda beating Melbourne. But if they did, it'd just be the most magical thing. Oh, I'd love it. Of all time. I'd probably get on the text message to a few blokes. Yeah. yeah. I would get, we'd get on the official Twitter account to a couple of blokes. I'd probably tweet something to you. Yeah. And just get some bites. The primetime game on a Sunday is at 3.20 and it's Essendon versus North. They are even Stevens. No favourites in this one, but they're playing at Eddie Had. Essendon, any chance to play finals this year, they need to win this game against North and take their spot in the eight. This is a Styles makes fights proposition because Essendon is all about gun-ho going forward. Let's not worry about the fact that we can't really have those holding mids. We don't have any tough inside mids. We'll just win the clearance, get off with it. Here we go. North are the exact opposite. We've got no pace. So let's lock it in, get in the trenches, grind it out. Make sure their ball winners can't win the ball that they want. Keep it on the inside. Which mode works best at Eddie Head? I reckon North should win. But my, like you said, the pace thing. I reckon if Essendon get jump early, like they did against Geelong, like they did against West Coast, then North are in trouble. And I reckon North would be in for that. So you watch the, the first minute or two, or first probably quarter's games going to lockdown. And that's why a part of me wants to go overs in, in this game because I think both teams will score heavily mm-hmm. in the end because it'll, it'll open up after halftime. It'll be a tight contest for half and as players tire and, and it'll open up. And I just... North Melbourne have Higgins and a couple other good mids like Cunnington and they've got a pretty dangerous four line with you know Brown. And see, I, was, I still think that they match up pretty well like Hurley and Hooker and stuff down back. So I'm not... I, the speed thing for Essen does worry me for North because if they do break those lines like they did last week against West Coast North are in a bit of strife I reckon Essendon's best footy beats North's best footy but at 80% each North wins yeah yeah and that's probably why the game's so tight and you can't I've flip-flopped a few times Mm. on this this is the hardest to tip the week for sure I'm probably going to go again on form and you just pick North on form because Essendon haven't been that great this year even though they went they went to West Coast and they beat West Coast. Well done. Good on you. That's one game. And we've seen Essendon do this this year. They beat Port. Then they went missing for four weeks. Like, they've had this. They've had their games where they've come out and they've won and people go, oh, Essendon are back and playing better footy, blah, blah. Then they go missing again for a few weeks. So, you know, they lost to Carlton for Christ's sake. So, yeah, I'm probably going to tip North in the end and uh, I will not be touching this game from a punting perspective. Even probably the overs-unders, I won't be touching either, but 
I've been looking at that pretty interesting to see if it's going to fluctuate at all but and probably wait for teams to come out but um, leave this game alone and just tip it north yep agree with that as well I'm going north no bet fun little factoid though is that Essendon are the hardest to tip correctly team in the competition uh, based on pretty much everything from like punting predictions to the odds to mathematical models we used this last they're the, year they're right? the only thing that are less than 50% yeah we used this stat last year and West Coast was the yeah, was the boogie the bogey side? Sorry, last mm. year and this year it's them. So stay away, and uh, yeah, don't waste your money. Frio are a dollar twenty five favourites at home to the Brisbane Lions, who are four dollar outsiders. There's a course at Optus Stadium. The line here is just over four goals. This could be Frio's third win in a row. They could be building towards something. They could be giving their list hope for the future. Can you see at any point Brisbane winning this? Only if it was at Brisbane. Not not on travel. I thought out of all the games this week that are likely to be upsets, like outsiders, this would be the only game Brisbane could win. Like, this would be the upset of the round. It's just they haven't won away. Yeah, they, they suck away. Yeah, but same as Freeman. But Freeman, like, you got, yes, you got your Neils and your, your Fyce and obviously Sandlins, but outside of that, not Walters, outside of that, they've kind of fallen away a bit. I know the young kids have been really good the last few weeks. They've had a bye... Do, like, and it's gonna be. I reckon it'll be a pretty open game. I reckon the overs is, is a chance here. Mm-hmm. Um, Brisbane have been playing decent footy. They just don't have a defensive mechanism yet. Obviously, and they lose Harris, Harris as well. Andrew. Yeah, but, yeah, but there's no one in Rio's four line that screams danger, is there? But even using Harris to rebound as a, as a catalyst to just go the other way. So again, I've talked about impact disposals with Buddy. Yeah. Harris leads or is pretty much one of the leaders in the comp for non-disposal impact. So things like spoils and one percenters and chase yeah, and pressure acts. He's a good spoiler he's, for you. He's their energy provider, their barometer yeah. for the lines and defence. And without him, and last, I think it would have this week when I've rattled them as well. Having having seen what happened to him, what's happening to him now, and then having to go to Perth could all be a bit bit too much for a very young side. Oh, probably, yeah. I, I don't know. I just saw this game. Is there any, any upset this week of over four or three fifty four bucks? Because there's a few of them that you, you look at, like your Gold Coast, your Cullens and stuff, and yeah. say, not going to happen. But this one, I thought, this was the one that I could see Brisbane just popping up with a win. You know, Freeman, I know they're a lot better team at home. They play a lot better at home, and they've been pretty good for the last few weeks. I mean, up and about. They only really beat Adelaide, though. Um... You know, I just could see Brisbane just popping up, and they've copped a bit of flack this week, actually. Brisbane for only winning one game of that list, and you know, it, it's the, it's just pretty much any time they go inside Ford fifty, they absolutely butcher it. Mm. it. It would do my head in as their coach, just how many bad decisions, skill errors they make. If they can get that right, they're gonna like they did against Hawthorne, they're gonna belt the team. So I was, I was my thought from a punting perspective, I probably wouldn't touch this game, but. It was, it, I'm still probably up until Sunday at some point. I'll probably change my tip three or four times. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going with Frio. Uh, they've won they were five out of seven at Optus. Brisbane haven't won in Perth since 2009. They've lost all six interstate this year. And my one bet here, and it's probably going to be my best bet of the round, is that the Lions are the worst first quarter team Lions this season. Yep. They have not won one. They're minus 189 points. They've lost all 13 terms. Dockers are plus 74 in opening quarters. They're actually pretty good. So you get a dollar ninety for the Frio to win by five and a half in the first quarter, and that's just the way they play. I've said it a thousand times this year. 
that they are, they'll just wait, they'll absorb the punches, and then they'll rebound. So expect to see that again, even if they do get up, Freya to lead at quarter time. <laughs> The money-making time. We come refreshed with a full slate of games to pick from our round 15 feature bets. First best bet is in the Fremantle-Brisbane game. Last game of the round, keeping you hanging on to the very end of the weekend. Fremantle to win the first quarter by 5.5 will pay you $1.89. Baz, your best bet. Carlton at the line, 37.5 points. I reckon they're going to pretty pretty much cover that. So Absolutely, hanging on for the Cade Simpson Cup. Value bets, we have uh, the Dogs to score between 0 and 60 points against Geelong at Etihad on Friday night, paying $2.20. West Coast to win at $2.38. Upset of the round. Our Ruffies, I'm going back to the Cade Simpson Cup. Expect to see Cripps and Wines dominate in the mids and Simpson to just be the warrior that he is. So that's Cripps for 30-plus disposals. Wines for 30-plus disposals. Simpson for 25-plus will pay you $4.43. And in the Dogs-Geelong game, I reckon the uh, margin of halftime between 25 and 36 points for 5 bucks. Very particular one, that. Any reason on that? Jagged it against the other week with Port and Doggies. I just thought that I'd be at the same. <laughs> and based on that confidence-building logic that Baz has provided us, what is our magic multi going to be for round 15? Right, so Richmond and Sydney under the total match points, 158. Uh, Geelong to win the last quarter, just to win the last quarter because the doggies are no good and they'll probably finish them off at the end there. West Coast to beat Adelaide and Carlton to hold on to that line of 37.5. Gives you a total of $11.37. 11.37, not a bad a little one to and take it's away. It's the first freaking multi that gets up this year. Please, can we jag one? And it would almost cover us as well. Yeah. We did get that mini multi halfway through the year. Yeah, we've got, we got, we got like a, a small, we said an easy multi to yeah. pay about five bucks. Yeah. But it's about the only one we've got so far, and I want a proper, proper multi. Proper multi to round us out and take us into that homeward bound stretch towards finals. Thank you for listening, ladies and gents. We have been What Are the Odds? That is our round 15 preview. Shout out to the Yorkshire Hotel if you need a place to watch two games at once because we're back to the full slate. They have multiple tellies, plenty of beers, and a couple of tabs. If you want to do your best, Steve Smith impersonation. Thanks, Baz. Thanks. Thanks.